0: What we have found is that if somebody is able to speak about what they've experienced, how they are feeling about it, that helps to release some of that negative energy that starts to build and creates this compassion fatigue.
1: Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? then you are in the right place welcome to breaking money silence a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money your host kathleen burns kingsbury is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best speaking about taboo topics International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen.
2: This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Today on the podcast, I have Angela Sarver. She is the founder of Ellie Blue HR, which is dedicated to bringing human back to the workplace. She has over 20 years of experience. Advising small business owners on how to manage and maximize talent in their companies to grow revenue, improve operations, and motivate employees. I have known Angela for a little while, and I can tell you that she loves helping small businesses thrive and working with them, especially when they need to outsource their HR services. Today, we are going to be talking about the difference between burnout and compassion fatigue. Welcome, Angela, to the podcast. Hi,
0: Kathleen. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Yes. I guess we have known each other for a long time because we've worked in similar industries in the financial services industry. Um, But recently we reconnected because we both belong to a networking organization called ProVisor. So it's really nice to get this opportunity to interview you
0: today. Thank you. And I'm so grateful to ProVisors for putting us together again.
2: Yes, me too. Me too. Definitely. (laughs) So before we get into the topic of compassion fatigue, I've always been curious. Your firm is called Ellie Blue HR, and obviously that is not your last name. So what's the story behind the name you chose for your firm?
0: Ellie Blue is named for my mother. So my mom was fearless. She was just able to handle any situation she came across. And I thought it would be such a tribute to her to name the firm after her. So that's where Ellie Blue came from. It's a nickname I had for her. And then human resources is what I do.
2: Awesome. Well, what a nice way to pay tribute to your mom. That's really lovely. And I love that she's a powerful woman because a lot of our audience listeners are women in business who are powerful, uh, as well as the advisors that serve them. So so let's switch gears. Let's get into the topic. Uh, When we talked about having you on the podcast, you brought up the issue of the difference between burnout and compassion fatigue. And that got me really curious um, because this particular episode is part of a series on aging. And we all know that people who are caregivers people who are either professionally worried about somebody who's a caregiver or a caregiver you know directly that can be very stressful so part of aging is dealing with that stress when we think of the workplace we think of you know people burning out and so we started talking and you said well wait a second there's a difference between burnout and compassion fatigue So how did you get interested
0: in this topic, and what is the difference between the two? I became interested in compassion fatigue when I was working as a volunteer coordinator and a crisis counselor for a suicide hotline. Shifts were four hours long, and we wanted to make sure that volunteers were in a good place when their shift was done. And the way we did that was just by having a conversation at the end to ask, how was your shift? Did you have any particularly difficult calls? Anything you want to talk about? We didn't know at the time that compassion fatigue was the formal word for it, but we understood that in caring for others, there was that possibility of, you know, you have to make yourself vulnerable, and we wanted to make sure that people were in a good space when they left.
2: So... What is burnout then? And then let's look at the differences between the two.
0: So burnout, the World Health Organization, interestingly enough, just updated the definition of burnout. And they refer to it as something that results from chronic workplace stress that hasn't been successfully managed. So I think it's interesting because compassion fatigue, if we really break out the definition, it's when caring for others Hurts the person who's providing the care. Burnout is a response to workplace stress.
2: Oh, interesting. Because, you know, I often kind of lump them together. Now, having been a licensed mental health counselor, having been somebody who worked uh, in the eating disorder industry, loved all my clients, really loved the work. But certainly there was a lot of compassion fatigue because there was a lot of folks that were you know, in pain, and you were helping them through that pain. You also got to celebrate their victories as well, which is a little bit different than, you know, being on a suicide hotline, I would imagine. Um, But what industries, other than obviously the mental health uh, counseling industry, is particularly at risk for compassion fatigue?
0: Well, I think first, it's always going to be your caregiving industries. So doctors, dentists, veterinarians, EMS, You know, these people are in caregiving roles. As we start to expand this, I think about other industries where it's kind of obvious, teachers who are doing a lot more caregiving for their students, certainly therapists. But here's a funny one. 36% of forensic investigators experience some form of compassion fatigue, as do immigration judges. And then I think about financial advisors who often have very long, very deep relationships with their clients and the work they are doing with them and planning as they age and eventually pass away. So it's it's insidious. It works its way in whenever we're caring for others.
2: It's interesting because I've worked with all those different types of folks in terms of you know coaching and speaking. And so caregiving industry makes sense. Teachers I hadn't thought about until obviously the pandemic where um, they've gone above and beyond. And I'm really impressed with anybody who's hung in uh, in that career. And then, of course, therapists having been one. But financial advisors, that's interesting. And the work that I do with financial advisors, I don't remember ever being at a conference where we talked about compassion fatigue. So tell me a little bit about, let's use financial advisors as an example. Tell me a little bit about how that might show
0: up with an advisor. So I think with financial advisors, again, I go back to the fact that many of them, in we're an aging population. So financial advisors are, are aging, their clients are aging. And I think about a financial advisor who shared his story with me. He had cared for his clients it was a husband and wife for more than 30 years the husband received a cancer diagnosis and you know the doctors recommended he get his affairs in order this financial advisor went above and beyond he met with not only the husband and wife who were the clients he met with their children they talked about end of life planning and what it would look like and then the inevitable happened the client passed away well, he's dealing with that grief. It's the loss of somebody he considered not just a client, but a friend. The spouse now needs some help. And he said, I started to realize something was wrong when I started to get really irritated that she would ask the same questions over and over. He knew in his head that this was logical as she was dealing with grief Answering the same question once, you know, she didn't always come away with that full understanding. But then it started to happen more. He was complaining about this client to members of his staff and saying he didn't understand why it was so complex. He's suffering from physical and emotional exhaustion. He started to avoid work. He didn't want to go in. He knew that the more work had to be done to settle her the this client's estate all of these are signs of compassion fatigue and that's when he realized something was wrong
2: now did he come to this awareness himself or did someone else like a colleague point it out to him or maybe his uh, partner
0: it was both He realized himself that something was wrong, but a staff member actually said to him, it's really unusual for you to complain about a client needing assistance. Is there something going on? And the question caught him off guard. And he said, when I took a step back, I recognized this was bigger than I thought.
2: Yeah, it totally makes sense when we think about it, you know, that you're going through this grief process, you're helping this particular client. I mean, I'm sure it can show up with, you know, nasty divorces, um, people who are ill, disabled. I mean, there's a variety of situations which financial advisors in particular uh, could face. And, And I often think about it in terms of putting on kind of my coaching and former therapist hat that if you're really that triggered emotionally by a particular client or a situation, it really warrants taking a step back and going, so, okay, so part of it may be the client, but what is this about for me? And it sounds like he was able to do that. And he also had a supportive staff member who could
0: kind of just notice, boy, this is out of character. Exactly. And we don't always have that. And, you know, for somebody, you know, he's very spiritual. And he said, when the thought of even whether it was prayer or gratitude, you know, activities that he would engage in normally, when he stopped wanting to do that, he realized that the exhaustion was much deeper.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like um, it was important that he get some help. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about when you notice compassion fatigue in yourself or someone else, what can you do about it? Whether you're in the financial advising industry or one of these other industries that we mentioned. This is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. This is Breaking Money Silence. I am with Angela Sarver from Ellie Blue HR, and we'll be back in a minute. Hi, this is Kathleen Burns-Kingsbury, and I just wanted to tell you about a new, exciting program. It's for business owners. Because many business owners, we spend so much time delivering our products and services, but we fail to set up a system to actually make sure we get paid every month. You deserve... get paid every month if you broke money silence and you ask for your fee then it's time to figure out how to put financial policies and procedures in place in your business so you can continue to earn what you are worth so i have developed a course called it's time to get paid it takes you through how to contract how to set up a payment policy and ultimately how to collect accounts that are past due so I think you should check it out. It's only $27, it's a great investment for your firm, and if you are new to business or struggling in getting paid what you are worth, then it is time to check out, it's time to get paid. Go to courses.breakingmoneysilence.com and check out the details. We are talking with Angela Sarber of Ellie Blue HR about the topic of compassion fatigue. And before we took a quick break, we were talking a little bit about a particular case that she was familiar with that involved a financial advisor. And so he was able to notice and also get some support in noticing uh, that he was struggling with compassion fatigue after a client of his died. And so Angela, I'm wondering if somebody out there is saying, wow, you know what, maybe I'm physically really tired and I'm really triggered by a client, whether they're a financial advisor in a different field, what are some of the action steps that you can take if you notice it in yourself or if you notice it in somebody else?
0: The first thing I would say is engage in a conversation. You know, part of what we find is that whether you're a financial advisor you're a business owner in any other industry, we always feel like we have to be the strong one. We're the person in charge. We've got the answers. And it's really important to just engage in a conversation. Is everything okay? How are you doing since you know this, this death occurred or you know, this particular incident occurred? What we have found is that if somebody is able to speak about what they've experienced, how they are feeling about it, that helps to release some of that negative energy that starts to build and creates this compassion fatigue. So first, I would say that conversation. Second, invite them for a walk. Get them out into nature. Let's go for a walk around the building. You know, we know what it takes to take care of ourselves. And I say we know it because over the past two years that we've been dealing with COVID, there has been more of an emphasis on mental health. And we know that to take care of ourselves, it's eating right. It's getting the right amount of sleep. But I think when you're in the midst of compassion fatigue, when you're really struggling, it's having that conversation where there is no judgment. There's no solution. We don't have to come up with a solution. It's just an opportunity to let it go. Speak it verbally and let it go.
2: Well, what's interesting about what you're saying is uh, going back to kind of the work that I did in the counseling world, and you may be familiar with this as well, Angela, is that there's concrete research that says if you talk about a traumatic experience, and keep in mind, trauma can be death, grief caring for somebody who has dementia, you know, there's a lot of different definitions for trauma. Uh, If you talk about that experience, within 72 hours of that trauma, you are likely to not have some of the negative ramifications that uh, people have when they go through a traumatic experience. So I like this idea of engaging in a conversation. And I guess the part of me Uh, you know, that's the business owner from the business perspective thinks, well, how do people in leadership set up systems in their firm to be able to make sure that these conversations are happening? Now, drawing on your HR consulting uh, hat, are there particular policies? Are there particular procedures that people can put in place around this topic? Or is it more just, you know, you notice it when it comes up and you're in a good culture and people reach out to each other?
0: Well, I think it starts with creating a culture that is open to having these kinds of conversations. So for me, it's about having regular one-on-one meetings with your employees. It demonstrates that you care about them. You know, ask those questions, what's going on? Is there anything I can help you with? Here's a stunning statistic I came across 50% of caregivers say their work supervisors are not even aware of their caregiving responsibilities. So they struggle silently. And as I think about our listeners, you know, business owners, what's the impact? Well, for large businesses, it is huge. And for smaller businesses, it's even bigger because often what it results in when we don't know this caregiving is taking place it's presenteeism and from the outside it appears that everything is fine but for the employee who's experiencing stress likely you know suboptimal mental health they're not sleeping well it results in lost productivity and this costs employers about 150 billion a year wow That's more costly than illness related to absenteeism or disability. So having these regular conversations, it's so important because we want to create a safe environment where an employee knows I'm not going to be judged for this. The person who's asking the question is actually interested in helping me take a step to make it better. That might mean some type of flexible work arrangement. It might mean allowing somebody to take time off during the day so they can take care of, you know, whoever needs the care, but then sign on later at night. It may mean allow somebody, allowing an employee to work from home so they can be present when medical staff is present. But we don't know that these are an employee's needs until we have that conversation.
2: Such great points. And, you know, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about, and it could be my demographic, all the folks that I know right now friends, colleagues, certainly myself, that are struggling with helping. Our elderly parents, and when I say struggling, I say that because it's it's really hard, even in the best of circumstances. And so, it, you know, I think having those one-on-one meetings is important. Um, I didn't realize the cost to businesses of the caregiving. Um, and one thing that did pop into my mind, Angela, was okay, I get all that for employees, but what if you're the CEO? What if you're the leader? What type of systems can you put in place or, or where can you find some help for yourself?
0: That's a great question. And what's the saying the CEO's job is the loneliest? Yes, same when you're a business owner. That's where having a strong support network around you is really important. Sometimes that's a fellow business owner, sometimes it's a spouse. Sometimes it is just a you know a long-standing friend. The idea is, Recognizing that even as a business owner or the CEO, we cannot do it all, and it's okay to ask for help. And I think sometimes, given our culture and how we were all brought up, business owners, we're expected to know everything and have the solution to everything. When we have a problem, give us a couple of minutes, we'll come up with a solution. This doesn't need that kind of a solution, this needs time. It's that opportunity to step away, and it's recognizing that it's okay to make time for yourself in order to be there for others.
2: Absolutely. And so I'm going to go back as we start to wind down to the financial services industry. It is an industry. Obviously, I've spent a lot of years in it. I know your background is HR in the financial services industry, as well as others places, and I have to tell you, it's not a slow down kind of environment, right? It's productivity, efficiency, go, 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 go. And maybe that has shifted and changed a bit um, since the pandemic. But I do think that we need to be talking more about compassion fatigue in the financial world in the at these conferences. And so it's really something that I'm kind of putting out there to listeners out there who are in charge of these meetings or who are interested in contacting Um, Angela maybe to talk a little bit about this at a meeting, because I think we need to start with the awareness, then set up the policies. And then for leaders, being okay, leaning on a coach, leaning on a therapist, leaning on somebody for a period of time, there is no shame in getting support. Uh, And I know that for a lot of these industries, it can be kind of a double-edged sword when you reach out. So Angela, I've learned a lot in a short period of time around compassion fatigue and how it is incredibly different than burnout. I'm wondering, as we think about ending this podcast, is there one piece of advice you'd want to leave our listeners with today?
0: What comes to mind for me is when you say yes to others, make sure you aren't saying no to yourself. Make sure you've put yourself first because it's only in caring for yourself that you can truly care for others.
2: I love that. I love that. So tell me, where can people find out more about what you're up to? And either have you come in and speak, consult, or
0: I know you're writing about these topics as well. I am. So my website is Ellie Blue, and that's B-L-U. Skip the E. That was mom's nickname. <laughs> Ellie Blue hr.com and I have a lot of information on there, including some case studies.
2: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Angela, for breaking money
0: silence with me today. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for letting me highlight such an important topic.
2: This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans.